0: Good afternoon. We ended this morning talking about fear and talking about the possibility of a life free from fear uh, and enjoying the the release that comes through Christ uh, and the hope that we can live without the oppression that fear brings in our lives. I want to continue that thought this afternoon Uh Again, looking at a biblical character that we can model our lives after. I mentioned earlier that fear is a trait given to mankind by a loving God. Fear is something given to us to protect us. And we we noticed that David had moments in his life where he had fear, he had anxiety, and he took those things to the Lord and he trusted in Him and in His answer for whatever it was that was troubling his heart. I want to consider, as I said, another character today. I want to consider the life of Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you'll open your Bibles there, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 11, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians for the umpteenth time. He has had several uh, correspondences and visits with this congregation, and he is having to continue to defend himself in many ways uh, at a time when he really should not have to. And in chapter 11, he is talking about the things that they think make him weak. The things that they see in him that they say, this certainly cannot make, you could certainly not be an apostle of Jesus Christ if these things are true in your lives, are things that he actually boasts about. 2 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. <clears throat> are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane, I'm more so, in far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren." I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. When we see that in Paul's life, I think it's safe to say Paul had very much a reason to be afraid. Can you imagine the things that he exper- experienced in his life serving God? You have to assume that these things were very scary. You have to imagine these things made him filled with anxiety and fear. And, and actually, we don't have to assume that at all. Because if we turn over to Acts chapter 18, we can find that that is absolutely the case. Paul is, is working in Corinth in Acts chapter 18. This is his first time visiting them. And you have to think about where he's just come from. Acts chapter 17, he's at the Areopagus. He's went to the men at Mars Hill and he spoke to them about Jesus Christ and they have basically laughed him out of the city. There are a few that listened, but more sneered at the idea of the resurrection of the dead. And now Paul comes and works at Corinth and it would be easy, I would think, it would be easy that this could have been a great discouragement for him. What if I keep trying to tell people this and people just keep dismissing me? What if I'm wasting my time here? What if they do worse like they have done in other cities and they harm me? I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. The Lord said to to Paul in a night vision, starting in verse 9, Acts 18, verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many in this city. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the Word of God among them. There's a couple of things I want us to realize from this statement. First, Paul was afraid. We need to see that. Paul was was genuinely afraid. The Greek here could literally be translated, Jesus came to him and said, Stop being afraid. This fear was at, at, at the least causing Paul to doubt whether he should continue to speak, which was counter to what God's desire for him was. I also want you to notice the impact of God's Word on Paul. He is suffering with this fear. The Word of God comes to him and says, Don't be afraid. Continue on. And for a year and a half, Paul continues on. He takes this message from Jesus and he allows it to, to motivate him and... You know, he had every reason to be afraid, but when fear began to stand between him and the will of God, the Word of God was the source of comfort and motivation, which caused later Paul later, as we read about in 2 Corinthians, to say, I can boast even when I'm weak, because he's boasting in the power that God provides him, like we talked about this morning, through his love. He used the Word of God to not be afraid any longer. And this afternoon, I want to consider how we might do the very same. This morning, we we, we saw that when we're feeling fear, it's good to seek God in prayer. It's good to go to Him and ask for help and to to know that truly He alone can be the answer to our fears. But we should also look back, asking Him to guide our our minds and our thoughts as we try to find the origin of our fears. Now, as I pointed out that oftentimes they originate from something because of our lack of control or our feared lack of control. Somehow it's manifested itself in our lives. And there's three ways that it commonly manifests itself in the lives of people today. Fear preys upon the perception of threat. Usually a threat against our security, a threat against our significance, or a threat against our love. Things like, I'm not, if, I'm, if, if I'm not careful what I touch, boy, this is one that I'm worried about right now. If I'm not careful what I touch or what I eat or, or what happens, or I, may, I may get sick. And then sometimes that fear cascades into, what if I get sick? What if I lose my job? And then what if I lose my job? What if everything that I've worked so hard for is gone? What, what do I have to, to show my worth? What if I lose my job? What if my spouse no longer finds me attractive then? Or maybe as I get older, my spouse is tempted to think that I can't provide for them the way that, I, that, that they need. And so what if I lose them? How could I ever go on? We see how fear can cascade. We need to learn that, the only, that only in the Lord will we find true security. Only in the Lord will we find true significance. And only in the Lord can we understand true love. In Isaiah chapter 12, and verse 2, Isaiah wrote, "...Behold, God is my salvation." I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. The question that we're going to look at this afternoon is, how do we get from where we are in fear to where Isaiah is? How do we get from fear to faith? When we realize it's not what God wants for us, what do we do to transform our thinking? It begins, as Carl mentioned after the lesson this morning, with a healthy fear, a healthy reverence and awe for God. A healthy fear will cause us to think about who He is. He is the Creator. Not only does that mean He created everything you see, not only does that mean He created the things that probably you think are somehow impossible for you to control and, and, and are causing this fear, but it also means He created you, and He loves you. He wants you to trust in Him and He's given you ample evidence to demonstrate that you can and He has shown that He has the power to change people's lives. The road to overcoming fear begins with a healthy fear of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 1, the proverb writer says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. As we talked about this morning, so many times fear is based in a lack of understanding the truth but giving in to the deception that we have taught ourselves over and over again. The beginning of knowledge is found in the fear of the Lord. And the beginning of having a, a freedom from fear is found in a healthy fear of the Lord as well. We also get from fear to faith by being aware of God's love and the power that it provides. In Jeremiah 31, and verse 3, it says, The Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, Therefore I have drawn you with loving kindness the love that God provides us provides us with joy Israel needed to be reminded several times what the love of God had given them God's love provides a realization of true value God's love shows us that his sacrifice for our lives cost him his son You're so valuable each and every one of us in this room, we're so valuable. God sent His Son to defeat death. Something that causes so many of us to fear. and Remove the burden of sin that had been put in our lives. God's love provides us with the power to defeat fear. And so we need to think about it. We need to be aware of that love that He has for us. We also need to be committed to strengthening our faith in the Lord. Sometimes I think we expect faith to be something that is provided just by saying a prayer and it will fall into our laps. I need more faith and so I'll just pray to God, give me more faith and then I'll just sit back and wait for it to happen. We need to be committed to strengthening our faith. Romans 10.17 says faith comes through hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Think about what David, the man that we looked at this morning, think about what he said in Psalm 1 verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord and in His law he meditates Day and night, we need to be active in Bible study. Even if that means some days it's only for a few minutes, we need to make it a daily part of our lives, a part of our routine to be nourished by the Word of God. Not only that, but we need to spend time in prayer. And it's so easy for us just to get into the habit of regurgitating the same prayer over and over again. But when we're meditating on the Word of the Lord, and we're thinking about what that that Word can do in our lives, we need to also think about what we need to be taking to God in prayer. He needs to know about our thanksgivings. But He also needs to know about our worries and our needs. And we need to tell Him those things. And so we need to be be cautious about falling into the, the trap of just saying the same prayer at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but really spend time every day Opening our hearts to God, just like David did, and asking Him, what is it that is in me that you see that could be hurtful? What do I need to change? What do I need to grow in and help me to see how I can do that? We also need to be a part of a local church. A local church that teaches God's Word and spends time in prayer. We need to surround ourselves with people who are just like us, committed to strengthening their faith. People who struggle with things like fear, but also know that God's grace and God's mercy are there to be leaned upon in times of of need and are there to help us stand whenever we go through difficult times. And then we also need to begin using God's Word the moment our imagination begins to spiral out of control. And I think for me, this has been one of the most helpful things for me, is usually it's the last place I go. God's Word, prayer, prayer, Those are the last places I visit because I want to go through all the possibilities of how something may go wrong before I finally come to my senses and try to approach the throne of God, open up His Word, the bread of life. The moment our imagination begins to concoct all of these different scenarios that may happen, let's stop and let's remember and remind ourselves who our God is. The psalmists, so many times did this themselves. Psalm 56, verse 3 says, When I'm afraid, <coughs> excuse me, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Psalm 27, one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? How many times should we go to a Psalm like that, to a verse like that, and remind ourselves who God is when our brain is beginning to spiral? Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Maybe your translation says an ever-present help. Starting the moment that you feel fear, starting to take control, starting to guide your mind somewhere it doesn't need to be, turn to God's Word and know that He's there. Immediately, He is ready to help. Commit those words to memory too. So that in those moments, you have the reminder of the power which is very near to guard and protect your mind. Now these are just a few helpful ways. <clears throat> Thought I had another slide up there. These are just a few helpful ways that God has helped me to be less fearful in my life. God has helped me to focus more on my faith and less on the things that, that cause me to, to look inward and to, to be afraid. It's helped me to trust in Him, and it's helped me to know His love. And I hope that they'll help you. But I also know that for many of us, sometimes it's not really us that needs the help. Sometimes it's a loved one. Sometimes it's somebody close to us that we're, we see their fear, and we have a desire to help them. And so I want to close this lesson giving you a few tips that I hope will help you deal with others with, uh, with their fears as well. Number one, and this one is probably the hardest one for me to overcome, is don't become impatient. It is so easy to do this. And and we need to realize we probably don't fully understand the situation that whoever this is 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 going through. We probably don't fully understand somebody else's fear. Proverbs 14, verse 29 says, He who is slow to anger has great fear understanding but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly we need to be very slow to be angered with people whenever they are dealing with fear because to them that fear is very real even if it makes no sense to us at all how on earth can people live in windows that doesn't make sense i'm so glad that <laughs> I'm so glad that people were patient with me we need to be slow Long-suffering when we're helping someone try to overcome fear in their life. We also need to not think ill of them for their fear. It can be so easy to think they're just doing this to try to get attention. They just want more attention from us, and they really just need to cut that out. That's, that's, that's not the right way to get attention. Romans 7, verse 15, Paul says, "...for what I am doing I do not understand, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate." Whenever we're helping somebody else deal with their fears, we need to realize that most likely they're not doing it for attention. Yes, granted, sometimes that does happen. Sometimes people manipulate that way. But more often than not, the people that are going through this, they're embarrassed. They don't like it. They're not going through it for for the fun of it. They would rather change than anything else. And so let's keep our hearts and our minds clear of any ill thought for them. Let's also, and likely, just like impatience, this is another hard one for me, let's not be critical. And 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you also are doing. We need to speak wholesome words that build people up. We need to be gentle and we need to be supportive and we need to help individuals build their own self-confidence. And I know that sometimes we get the mindset that we can overcome these things by by bullying people into seeing the the silliness of their fear. And in many aspects, the thing that they're afraid of can be quite silly. But being critical of them and cutting them down for their thoughts will not help them to overcome these fears. We also need to recognize that we shouldn't make their face their fears alone. This... (coughs) There is a way that seems right unto man. And this is a way that seems right unto man. If we just lock somebody in a room with their fears, eventually they will see that there is nothing to them and they will come out having conquered it. I can speak as somebody from experience with this method. That does not work. That does not usually, typically work. It might cause us to, to repress those fears, but we will generally take them and apply them to something else much later in the future. Forcing someone to face their fears alone is not a way to help them. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, in verses 9 and 10, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion, but woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift them up. When you're helping someone with fear, Be there for them, even when you can't. There are going to be times when our friends, our children, our loved ones have to face a fear and physically we can't be there, but we need to let them know the support that we are giving them, assure them of our confidence that they can overcome and let them know that we want to experience this with them. We also shouldn't give fear constant attention. I think this is a really tough one for a lot of us parents. In Philippians chapter two verse four it says, "Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others." When we know of a child, our own child that's, that has a fear going on, has some sort of problem, we want to go to them every second and say, "How are you doing? Is this okay? How's it doing today? What about now? How is it going on?" Doing that can cause someone to focus on their own feelings and their own fears in a way that sometimes can become unhealthy. In fact, sometimes what is needed is for them to see the needs of others. For them to see what other people have feared and overcome, but also to see what other people need and how they can help. In fact, one one thing that can help us to overcome fear is to become busy in somebody else's life, assisting them in ways that they need. And so let's not give it a constant attention. Let's also not be disappointed when they fail. And most often they will. Most often people that are trying to overcome fear won't do it on the first try because they've probably tried and failed several times in the past and they have to get past the point where they're convinced themselves, I can't do this. And that's going to take time. So don't become disappointed. Proverbs 3 and verse 27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Brethren, people fail shouldn't come as a surprise to us. I think we all can recognize that in our own lives. We fail. And when people fail, usually they already feel ashamed. They don't need somebody else to come and to, to point out their failures. What they really need is someone to compliment their efforts. To find the things, the good that they were able to do, and to encourage them, don't quit. Yes, you fell short. but that's, You made a bigger step this time than you did last time. You went, you went further into the pool than you went last time. You've stayed in your bed longer this time than you did last time. You're growing. And so keep it up. And lastly, we need to be very wise with our words. In Proverbs 16, verse 23, it says, the heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. It can be very tempting for us to try and rush through Getting someone to overcome their fear, saying things like, you know, you're kind of being a coward. Saying things like, you know what, you just, you have to do this. Just you, go ahead and do it. And these are phrases that need to be supplanted with more affirming statements that say, I know, I know this is difficult, but it's also not dangerous. I know that you have the courage to do this, even though you feel like you don't. And rem- <coughs> remind them to stay. In the present. Sometimes the fear that we feel is from the past. Remind them that was then. This is now. You can do this. Sometimes it's what we fear may happen in the future. Again, tomorrow has enough, today has enough troubles for today. Let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. We need to remember the fear. Fear is a gift that God has given us to preserve our lives in the face of danger. But for so many of us, Fear becomes, becomes something that negatively affects our walk with Him when we allow it to control us. Judy Hunt, author of a book called Counseling Through the Bible, said, The greater our fear, the less we are controlled by faith. But the greater our faith, the less we are controlled by fear. If you need help Removing fear from your life. What I want you to know is that I needed help too. And so has several of your brothers and sisters here today. And I want to encourage you along with them that the solution is always found in Christ. The brethren here at Lake Street, I know, love one another. And as we read in 1 John this morning, love. Love defeats. Love removes fear. We would love to assist you in walking with the Lord and being transformed by His love and His power. And that begins through having a faith that is strong enough to take the first step. Yes, it can be fearful. But it's a first step that says, I want to draw closer to Him. I want to be loved by Him. I want to follow Him today. If there's something that we can do this afternoon to help you with that, Won't you please come forward right now as we stand and as we sing.